Uncertainty Principle is supported in its entirety by you, the listener. You can join others by becoming a patron of the show at patreon.com slash uncertaintyprinciple or by giving a one-time donation through PayPal. On with the show. You're listening to Uncertainty Principle, the podcast. Biological humans have existed for at least 100,000 years. And in all that history, it wasn't until the last century that we began to wander outside the limits of our planet. If you remember from the Overview Effect episode, space agencies use a fairly specific standard for where space begins and aerospace ends. International organizations use the Kármán line at 100 kilometers of altitude as the starting point of space, whereas the United States defines space as altitudes above 50 miles. The Kármán line is where centrifugal force overtakes aerodynamic lift. Above this point, the atmosphere is thin enough that an aircraft would have to travel faster than orbital velocity to generate enough lift to stay airborne. Simply put, it's the point where you have to fly like a spaceship instead of like a plane. So what was the first object in space? Well, there are three firsts I want to mention. According to NASA, the first human-made object to enter space was a NASA Bumper WAC rocket launched in 1949. However, some evidence exists that a Nazi German V2 rocket passed the Kármán line as early as 1944. It's unclear why NASA's website doesn't list the V2 as the first object in space, but my best guess for the reason is due to the lack of direct evidence of the flight, as well as not wanting to give credit to, you know, Nazis, especially considering the horrible means by which they built their V2 rockets. The second first is the first object to achieve orbit. This is the one most people remember, Sputnik, which launched in 1957. The third is the first human-made object to reach escape velocity. That honor goes to another Soviet craft, Luna 1, in 1959. It was actually meant to impact the moon, but missed due to a guidance system failure, so instead began an orbit around the sun. There is a story or perhaps legend is the best way to describe it, of an object that, quite by accident, made it to space before Sputnik, perhaps even reaching interplanetary space before Luna 1. In the early years of the Cold War, the US began Operation Plumbob, a series of nuclear warhead tests. One such test, Pascal B, involved placing a warhead at the bottom of a 500-foot deep shaft in the ground. On top of the warhead was placed a concrete plug, and the shaft was sealed with a 2,000-pound steel plate cap. Think of it as an oversized manhole cover. Dr. Robert R. Brownlee, a physicist involved in the test, calculated that once the bomb was detonated, the steel cap would be propelled into the air at six times Earth's escape velocity. This prompted the team to train a high-speed camera on the explosion to see if they could capture the steel plate flying off. So on the 27th of August, 1957, just a month before the launch of Sputnik, the test took place. 
The 300-ton yield bomb detonated, vaporizing the concrete plug above it, accelerating all those atoms into a superheated gas, building up tremendous amounts of pressure in the shaft, and propelling the steel cap faster than a bullet. All in a fraction of a second. The steel cap was never found. So they looked at the camera footage, and even though it was captured with a high-speed camera, the cap appeared in only a single frame. Using that footage, and taking into account the time between frames, Dr. Brown Lee was able to calculate a lower bound to how fast the cap was moving. Recounting the events in 2002, Brownlee said he did not recall what that lower bound velocity was, but does remember describing it as moving like a bat out of hell. Legend has it that if Brownlee's estimates were correct, the steel cap must have easily made it to interplanetary space. If you believe this story, then the implication is that somewhere up there, orbiting the sun, is a lonely hunk of steel that made it off Earth by mistake. And this myth followed Dr. Brownlee for the rest of his life. There's enough truth to this story to make it seem plausible, even if a bit far-fetched. Everything about this story is true except for that key fact. It is extremely unlikely that the steel cap made it even as far as the Carmen line. Brownlee took criticism from the scientific community once the press ran with this story, with skeptics saying he clearly did not understand aerodynamics if he thought the cap made it to space. But Brownlee never himself claimed to believe such a claim. As I've talked about before on the podcast, scientists can often be misunderstood by laypeople. And though news broke that there was now a manhole cover in space, a myth that circulates the internet to this day, Brownlee only ever stated that the initial velocity of the cap would be multiples of Earth's escape velocity. So what happened to the steel cap? Well, consider the forces involved. After the initial force of the explosion, the important forces acting on the steel cap were gravity and atmospheric drag. Most importantly, a large steel plate is not an aerodynamic object. The friction from the atmosphere as it shot into the sky would have, at best, significantly reduced its velocity and would likely have incinerated the steel cap. So of course the cap was never found, because there may have been nothing to find. Consider what happens to meteors as they enter Earth's atmosphere. According to the American Meteor Society, meteors that weigh less than 8 metric tons will lose their velocity and end up as just falling rocks. The cap has the same problem. Even if the steel cap did make it past the Kármán line, it would have simply fallen back to Earth on a parabolic arc. We are left with two competing claims about what could have happened to it. Either it made it to space, or it didn't. But extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence, so ask yourself, which claim is more extraordinary? I'm reminded of Russell's teapot, which is a thought experiment created by the late philosopher Bertrand Russell, meant as a critique of unfalsifiable claims, that is, claims that cannot be disproven. His idea was to claim that somewhere between the orbit of Mars and Jupiter is a teapot. No one has ever completely disproven that the teapot exists, 
nor could we ever hope to. Should one accept that the teapot exists until it is shown that it does not? The absurdity is that this line of thinking can be used to justify any claim, regardless of how outlandish. This is all to say, I don't know what happened to that steel cap, and neither do you. Anyone that claims to know for certain must hold some new information or hidden knowledge. Uncertainty is okay, it's a requirement of good science. But that uncertainty does not make both ideas equally likely, or even equally valid. The only reason uncertainty exists is because no one ever found the steel cap. Maybe some of you think I'm just sucking the fun out of everything. That I pulled a bait and switch. But I think that's a bit short-sighted. Instead of just a plain regurgitation of facts, I want this show to foster a mentality, a mindset of embracing uncertainty, true uncertainty, and following the truth wherever it may lead. We need to accept uncomforting realities and the mundane, uninteresting facts of life, because it is through this process that we call science that we can unlock the occasional secret that can help elevate human life beyond what we can currently imagine. That steel cap probably didn't make it to space, but we did. And that's so much more interesting than a piece of metal thrown into the heavens by a nuclear bomb. 2020 has been a toilsome, heartbreaking year, which is why now, more than ever, it is essential that we pursue these virtues of a progressive civilization, truth, justice, and foresight, because forward is the only direction we can ever go. We cannot afford to shy away and ignore harsh realities without consequence. A bright future may await our species, but before we get to it, we have to acknowledge where we fall short. We have to say, I don't know, more often, and accept that other people know more about certain topics than we do. Only then can we make life better for everyone. I'm Daniel James Barker. Keep exploring.